So I said to you before I came back from sabbatical, I felt God say, just give them perspective. Share with the church perspective. And there is nothing better than going to the mountains to get some perspective. I've always looked at the amphitheater and thought, man, I'd love to get up there one day, go up the chain ladder. Has anyone been up there before? It's pretty terrifying. Some of you guys have. <laughs> Those chain ladders, like, just don't look down, you know. If you slip, you die, basically. Um, but anyway, we, we, we got through it with some prayer. Um, but the morning I woke up, I looked up at the mountains, and I took a pic from uh, the window. And it has a picture of the amphitheater. It's not the best picture. It was really early in the morning. And it's just magnificent. And, and you look at this, and, you, and I was like just thinking, geez, in a couple of hours' time, or maybe more than a couple of hours, you know, I'll be standing at the top. I've never been to the top of, of a mountain like this at over 3,000 kilometers high. And let me just tell you, that perspective is completely different to the perspective of the top. Here's a pic at the top. And uh, literally somewhere in the middle there is where I actually took the picture from, looking up at the top of this mountain. But there's a quick little video just to show you the majesty and the beauty of the amphitheater. Um, you can play that just to see the perspective from the top. Highest falls in the world, apparently, 945 meters, the Tugela Falls, Cascading Falls. And you come to the top and literally, <laughs> my dad's going to start a freak out right now because I know he's scared of heights, but you can literally lie down and look over the edge and there's like a kilometer drop. But it's just Unbelievable. And we sat at the top and had lunch. And let me just tell you this, if you're thinking of doing it, uh, hike effort for view value, you cannot beat. Um, we got up to the chain ladders about an hour 45 from the Centennial parking lot, up the chain ladders and then across the top to Tugela Falls another 20, 30 minutes. So like two and a bit hours, you're at the top of that. Uh, you can get up and down in uh, you know, five hours, but obviously you want to spend some time at the top. So from a weather point of view as well, you can choose your window, but it is absolutely beautiful. Bit of a mission to get to that car park, by the way, and you need a four by four uh, from Vitsi's hook, I think, up to the car park, but absolutely beautiful. But why I show you that is the perspective we had from the top was completely different to the one that I've always seen of the amphitheater. I mean, I had no idea what it would feel like just to be on the top, and for those of you who have climbed mountains before, um, it's completely different, but it's the same thing. And it's the same with God. We have this view of God, but when we can just maybe have a little look from his perspective and how he sees us and how he created us and even looking into the human eye, we have a completely different perspective of who God is and how big he is, but how small he is when it comes to the details, that we are his prized possessions. The humans is where he chooses to live by his spirit. And he knows us and he called each one of us by name. I'm going to go through a couple of scriptures today just because it's important that we keep the scriptural. But look at Ephesians 1, 4 to 6. This is even before he made the world. Even before he made everything that we've seen last week, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his family, his own family, by bringing us to himself through Christ Jesus. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. You are his great pleasure, his great delight. So we praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. You, a human, are his great pleasure, his great delight. And it's fascinating when you start to look at the human body. I wish I actually did 
biology, biology, although it was a lot of learning uh, back then, so I chose to do drama, art, and uh, geography, you know, it was a little bit easier that way, but I wish I did actually, um, but just looking a little bit into it, even prepa- uh, preparing for this message, it's fascinating when you start to see the in- intricacies and how God has made us together, just a simple thing like eyebrows, I mean, they're pretty strange things, aren't they, in the middle of our heads, because your eyes are in the middle of your head, just by the way. You learn that perspective when you learn art. Because, you know, it's amazing. Kids, when we draw, we draw eyes at the top on a round face, but your eyes are basically slap bang in the middle of your whole head. But eyebrows are these, like, two hairy things in the middle of your face. I don't know if you've ever looked at just eyebrows. They're pretty weird. And I know you ladies take a lot of time to shape them and make them look good, but particularly for guys, and the older you get, the hairier they get. Every now and again, I promise you, I'm just sitting there, even driving, and Jin just leans across, and she just goes... And just pulls one. I just pull one out now. Sure, but and she'll just pull. Like I'm like, what are you doing? She's like, there's a stray one that's just like that, you know. But they're so strange. These, this bit of hair. But you know, one of the reasons among many of why we have eyebrows. It's not just to look good, but it's to stop the sweat from going into our eyes. Isn't God amazing? That's why when you do this on a hot day, like you get a whole bunch of sweat on your hand because it's been sitting in your eyebrow. And when you look at your baby toe, as ugly as it is, you're like, what are you there for? I mean, just ask someone who's lost a toe. You almost have to relearn how to walk and how to balance. Just kick your baby toe on the side of a bed, and you'll know exactly why you need a toe. But it's incredible. Luke 12, 7 says this, and the very hairs on your head are all numbered. Some of you got a, a few, just a few numbers. How many? <laughs> so don't be afraid, Dad. Don't be afraid. You are more valuable to God than a whole flock of sparrows. The very hairs on your head are numbered. And in the grandeur of time and space, we're so small and here for such a short time. But God hasn't spared his magnificence in creating us. The Psalms, um, in 144 verse 4, it says this, for they, talking about man, says, for they are like a breath of air. Their days are like a passing shadow. We're here for such a short time and then we go. Although we're just a, a wisp, some versions of the Bible say, well, like a vapor of God's breath. We're just a vapor of breath in the span of time, but we are marked by his majesty. We are fearfully and wonderfully made in the image of our creator. And nothing else in all creation bears that mark. Did you know that? But us. And in today's world, it's all about image, right? Well, a lot about that. You know, just in the type of labels or, or clothes you wear and, you know, where you get your clothes and your, the shoes that you have. It's, it's a lot on people's minds. Maybe not for everybody, but particularly for a lot of younger people. You know, it's, it's, it's a lot about image. The designer clothes and the right look. But we need to understand that we are God's chosen, that we have a label unrivaled. We are made in the image of God. I know on a lot of our products we see this sign, which is made in China. I think, well, there should be a graphic. We see that everywhere, right? 100% cotton made in China. But you've got to understand that you are 100% God made in heaven. And when you walk around with that label, it changes everything. 
We are incredibly special, made in the image of God. Genesis 1.26 says this, Then God said, Let us make human beings in our image to be like us. They will reign over the fish of the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals on the earth, and the small animals in the, that scurry along on the ground. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Isn't that incredible that we are made in the image of God? We are not made in China. Although we sometimes feel the older we get that we start to break, right? Like some of the stuff made in China. But I want to look a little bit more at the human body. But before I do this, I want to read from Psalm 139. And it's a, a beautiful psalm. Uh, one of the 24 Skies songs um, is, is 139. One of, one of my favorite songs. Graydon and Tom wrote it. And it's from this psalm. But listen to this. It says this. You made all the delicate inner parts of my body and you knit me together in my mother's womb. Remember I told you last week that my grand taught me how to knit? This is a lot more complex, this type of knitting. Okay, I used to leave holes and I never got anywhere with my scarf that I was trying to knit when I was a kid. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. How precious are your thoughts about me, O oh God? They cannot be numbered. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of sand. God's precious thoughts about each and every one of you outnumber the grains of sand in all the earth. And when I wake up, you are still with me. Isn't that incredible? Psalm 139, just spend some time maybe even reading that this week. But I think most of you know this, but if we look at how the human body was formed, just to remind you, maybe back in school days, one cell from mom and one cell from dad joins together. 23 chromosomes of mom met 23 chromosomes of dad and something miraculous takes place. Obviously, we know there's a lot more that takes place when those cells meet, but these two cells created another cell and four nucleotides formed what is called DNA. Now, they don't know, this is kind of an artist impression of what DNA looks like because it's pretty hard to get like a, an actual, uh, actual pick, but it's very complex, okay? And DNA was discovered, and they, they discovered that it's the code of how we are written and knitted together. It's kind of like the language of God. In fact, it's about three billion character descriptions of who you are. And when we look at Psalm 139, we start to see that intricacy, that knitting, that woven together in our mother's womb. That's what DNA is. And God saw the unformed body, and he saw it, and he knitted it together in our mother's womb. And that is what DNA is. It's, it's a code that tells everything about who we are, from the color of our eyes to, the, to, to our makeup and how we are wired. Now, if you take one as a strand, the DNA coding strand out of one cell of your body, they say it's about six feet long, which is similar to the height I am. And on that strand, which comes from one cell, is six feet long in codes, billions of coding. Now, 
If you had to read one second per character code of the cells in your body, well, that, sorry, that one cell, not the cells, the one cell, it would take you 96 years to read that one description of when you first were formed, one second at a time, to read your DNA coding. And there has never been another story of DNA coding written that is the same. Every single one is uniquely different. And then that one cell of DNA coding reproduces multiple times from one to 60, then to 75 trillion different cells. Now, if you're still with me, if you take the coding from each of those 75 trillion cells that made up your body, there's enough DNA in length to go to the moon and the back, to, to moon and back, 178,000 times. If you don't believe me, do the mass. Basically, it's 75 trillion times six feet, and you work out the distance. It's the moon and back a lot of times. In this moment, I've just paused, which is three seconds. 50,000 cells in your body died and replaced themselves. And as I told you that, another 50,000 died and replaced themselves. That's why you feel so tired a lot of the time. <laughs> your body is working over and over. Augustine said this so well. He says, men go to the depths of the sea, to the heights of the heavens. I went to the amphitheater and to the ends of the earth to see the splendor of it passing by themselves. We forget the very splendor in the makeup of who we are sitting here today. And of the many miracles that happen in the forming of a, of a child, um, I just want to just focus on one, and that's the eye. We started with this perspective from a human eye. We went out and then we went back in. And here's a, a graphic of what we, what we look like at about five months old, which is, I think, 26 weeks, right? So here's a graphic. And at, at about five months, something incredible happens in about week 26. Concentrate and get this. It's powerful. One million optic nerve endings or receptor cells from your brain seek out another one million transmitters from the back of your eye, and they connect. And when they connect, their perfect mate, that's when sight happens. And there is nothing more complex than the human eye. One million receptors connect. I battle to find gin in a shop. <laughs> and that's 100% true. I'm like, you're like David Copperfield, you just disappear. The other day I tried to find you in the house, I couldn't find you. I looked outside as well, but you had gone next door. <laughs> One million. And for those of you wondering, like maybe someone just left this cable here. I've got to tell you the story because it's, it's pretty fascinating. In 2015, when we recorded our first record as 24 Skies, we had an engineer, uh, a music, like coming to help us record. His name's Rusty. And we rock up here and we're going to get going with day one recording. We bought this piece of equipment that would enable us to record drums, but the connector, which is, looks like this, kind of like a computer connector, um, has a cable 
which has got, I think, 24 connector ends. But we worked out that this connector couldn't fit into our piece of equipment that we bought, and we had the wrong connector here. So we took a brave decision to cut the cable in half to see what we got, and we got all these cables. We spent hours trying to figure out which ones went where because it was a different coding and how it needed to talk with the computer equipment. We were sitting on the floor there. Thomas Paxton was the solderer. And we tried, like, we were 11 o'clock at night. We may have recorded for a whole day, and we just couldn't get this thing to work. We kept plugging. It wasn't working. I'm not joking, guys. At about midnight, Tom says, guys, I don't know. He says, but you do know I'm colorblind. <laughs> Rusty goes, no, we didn't know. You're like, why do you tell us now? Do you remember this? I know Mike Strauss remembers this now clearly. We were all here. He's like, this is, this is purple, right? We're like, no, it's blue. Oh. You must see Tom Paxton in London at a tube map. It's the most hilarious thing. Between Tom and Colin, who doesn't know which way is east and west and north and south, they, they got on the wrong train. Do you remember? Truly, because there's a red line, blue line. He couldn't tell the difference, the colors. So we're like, no. So Mike got hold of the soldering iron, and we eventually joined those 24 cables to those pins. And at about midnight, or maybe 20 to 1, I think it was about, we did a happy dance in the studio because we finally got it to work. And that was our first day of recording. And there's a cable from seven years ago that was soldered. Friends, that was just 24 cables. We're talking for your out of work, it needs one million to match. That's some serious soldering going on there. And then at about six months, not long after that graphic we showed you earlier, there's this miraculous knife that appears in the womb and cuts that fine layer of skin to perfection without damaging the eye, and you have eyelids for the first time. And in all the universe, I don't think there's anything more miraculous than the gift of sight and what it means to see. And right now, the gift that you have, even just experiencing this moment in front of us, is mind-blowing. And there's no other creature in the world that has eyes like ours. And I think it always blows my mind when you read the testimony of blind Bartimaeus in the Bible. He was born blind, but God healed him. I've heard of people that once saw but then couldn't see, then God healed them again. But blind Bartimaeus' story in the Bible is fascinating. I don't want to just talk about our eyes and make this whole thing about us and how amazing we are. But we need to turn this perspective a little bit towards God. And I want to tell you a little bit about his eyes and how he sees us. Psalm 32 verse 8 says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way that you should go, and I will counsel you with my loving eye on you. Psalm 33 13 says, The Lord looks down from heaven and sees the whole human race. From his throne he observes all who live on earth. He made their hearts so he understands everything they do. Luke 12. I think Cole might, you might touch a little bit on this next week maybe. Look at the ravens. They don't plant or harvest or store food and barns, for God feeds them, and you are far more valuable to him than any birds. 
And there's a song that actually comes out of this passage where he speaks about how his eye is on the sparrow. Even the sparrow, the birds of the air, but how much more for us as human beings, his most valuable. How can there be a big bang theory that this all just happened? We are made in the image of our creator. And in life and sometimes being overwhelmed and we go through difficulty, I just love this reassuring scripture of God's eyes on us. In Psalm 33, verse 18, little verses after the one we read earlier, it says, but the eyes of the Lord are on those who fear him and those whose hope is in his unfailing love to deliver them from death and keep them alive in famine. We wait in hope for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. In him, our hearts rejoice for we trust in his holy name. May your unfailing love be with us, Lord, even as we put our hope in you. And it's amazing the language that is used here, that we, that we this idea of waiting and, and holding on to God and, and just to never give up. And it means to trust him and hold on to him because he is holding on to us, that his eyes are on us. We sung a song earlier today, a 24 Scars song, called Hold It All. And this song actually comes from a scripture in Colossians, which we'll read in a moment, about how God holds all of this together, holds the whole universe, our bodies all together. And I'll never forget the testimony in that story um, of the song. I wasn't able to sing at the time because I had what was called uh, damaged vocal folds. I had nodules on my vocal folds. And if you wouldn't mind, I'm going to show you a graphic of the camera, I won't show you the video because that was pretty horrific. It went up my nostril, hit my brain, turned around and went down my throat. It was, it was guys, like, the, the doctor said, just relax. I'm like, I can't. It's like a, if anyone ever had one of those at the ENT when they put the camera, it's, it's, it's terrible. So the camera's looking down my throat. He goes, oh, I can see the problem. Can I show you what the inside of my voice box looks like? If you feel like a little squeamish of these things, don't look, but it's not too bad. Um, but this is it. It's a little bit blurry, but that in the middle there is my vocal fold. And when, it, when you sing or talk, it comes together, and it's meant to be smooth. And that's when it like finally vibrates, kind of like a bow on a, on a string of a violin. If it's sideways or funny, it sounds squeaky. And what was happening is my vocal folds had nodules on, kind of like knuckles, and when it came together, they weren't smoothly touching, and that's why your voice sounds hoarse, it's breathy, because you... The air is passing through, not, it should be smooth. And you can see the nodules, the one at the bottom and even the one at the top was actually sticking as it was coming apart and that's why I lost my voice. So he said, look, two options. One is to have an operation where they scrape that. I'm like, oh, not so keen on that. Or you just rest it for a long time. And I was like, well, how long? He said, six months to a year. I was like, you're joking. I've got a, we're busy writing a new album. We've got a European tour that we had planned and booked. He goes, well, I'm just telling you the truth. So I was like, okay. And I needed to trust God. I'll never forget this. I was like, God, you've got to do a miracle here. If you design my voice, I think you can heal it. And at the time, we were writing this song, Hold It All. And I remember just trusting God with Colossians 1.15. It says this, Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. 
I was trusting for God's supremacy in my vocal fold. For through him, God created everything in the heaven realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't, just like vocal folds, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. I was like, God, my voice is created by you and for you. I can't have it taken away. He existed before anything else, and he holds creation together. I was like, Lord, could you just do a miracle here? I couldn't even sing the songs that we were trying to write. I, like, it was so frustrating. But we decided to go ahead with this album and the tour. And four days before we left, my voice came back. And it was literally a month after I had seen the ENT. It was like miraculous. And still to this day, it has, hasn't faltered since. Sometimes it feels strained and I had to go to vocal therapy to speak properly and to sing properly, get the right posture, drink water, uh, you know, uh, also after coffee, you hydrate your vocal folds, vocal folds, there's a whole bunch of things. But God really did a miracle. It's just phenomenal. And as I kind of wind this whole series up on perspective and come to a close, I have to mention this because Talking about holding it all together, I rewatched a section of Louis Giglio's, um, I think it's How Great Is Our God video, um, and uh, some of you may have watched it, but it's fascinating if you haven't, go and watch it. And he talks, and he tells a story, he was also doing a message on the human body, and he meets someone after one of these, uh, he was guest speaking somewhere, and this guy comes up to him, it was in Texas, and he was like, hey, how's it, and you know, just chatting, never met this guy, and he was like, oh, you know, what you're doing this weekend? And he's like, well, I'm preaching this series on the body. He was like, oh, well, I, I'm actually like a, a specialist and a, a scientist. I study the human body. He said, really? That's amazing. Uh, he said, like, any tips you can give me? He's like, well, look, I've studied this for years, but like, I don't, you know, he says, but do yourself a favor. Just go and Google laminin when you get home. And he's like, okay, laminin, how do you spell that? He wrote it down for him. And I know some of you know or have watched this, but for those of you who haven't, or maybe those just need a reminder, it is fascinating. When you Google laminin, which before you put the picture up, just to tell you, laminin is, is basically like cell adhesion molecules. It's like protein molecules that play an integral part in like kind of like the structural scaffolding of our bodies. You know when you put the metal iron grids in cement to hold it together in a pathway or in a house or a... Uh, in a, what do you call it, like a, a slab, that grid that holds it all together in our bodies is laminin. So he was so excited, Louis Giglio, to get home and just to Google what laminin was. And he got home and he types laminin in Google, Google and this is what comes up. No, not this one. That's, yeah, that is what comes up. I don't know about you, but that's pretty amazing. That is what comes up when you Google laminin, which holds our bodies together. It is the structure of our very makeup. It's the very glue, literally, that holds us together. And when I think back to Colossians and how he holds it all together, at the core of who we are, there is something in the form of a cross that holds us together. This is not necessarily um, thinking scriptural that the cross literally holds us together. But do you want to see 
what laminin under microscope looks like. And you do get different shapes and forms, but here's an actual microscopic image of laminin. It's pretty fascinating. This is the glue that holds us together as humans. Without laminin, we would literally fall apart, and we wouldn't want that happening here today. It's amazing. And at the core of who we are, the cross is the glue that holds us together. And he came to this earth, God the creator, to a pale blue dot in the middle of nowhere, in the grander scheme of things, something that is more than 100,000 light years across. And he paid a price on a cross for every single one of us just so that we would know how important we are to him and how much he loves us. And as I close today, I can't not share this passage because it's just so powerful. And it's Ephesians 2 verse 10. And it says this, for we are God's masterpiece. So above all of creation, we, you and I, are God's masterpiece. He created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. And when we read that word masterpiece, I think it's important for us to understand the original. So what was God's intention when he says, you are my masterpiece? The actual literal word is a word called poema. It's your daughter's name, right? Said po- poem, poema. That's how it's, it's where we get the word poem from. And it literally means a beautiful poem, perfect workmanship, or a tapestry. Amazing how it ties into Psalm 139 that he knits us together like a, a woven piece of like genius. We are God's masterpiece. And in case you needed a reminder today, out of everything that we've seen in that perspective video, the grandeur of the mountains, the, the earth, the solar system, the universe, the stars, the laminin, our cells, our, our, out of all of that, do you want to know what's most important to God here in this room here today? It's this. Let that sink in. Let the Spirit of God just minister you today because many of you are sitting in this room feel like you're a failure. Maybe you've been hurt. Maybe you haven't quite understood your value and your worth. I'm sorry for the people that got cut off on the sides. I really am sorry, but the wide angle just didn't work well enough. But you, all of you, are God's masterpiece. Find yourself if you can. I know it's not the best pick in the world, but find yourself and say, I am God's masterpiece. And it's not in a prideful way, it's in a humble way. And you just say, thank you, God. He knows your name. He knows everything about you. And for those that put their faith and their hope and trust in him, we have the privilege to be sons and daughters And he will hold us in his hand for all of eternity. If you wouldn't mind, just close your eyes for a moment.